0: Alright, we're glad to see you tonight. Let's all stand together. Everybody, uh, let's all stand all over the building. Uh, uh, let's sing tonight. Uh, let's talk about Jesus. Here we go. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of Kings. Sing out. Let me hear you. The Lord of Lords Supreme. great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk, let's talk about Jesus more and more. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. Bless our Awana program. uh, Bless our Bible study upstairs as well. Give us a good time in your house. In Christ's name, amen. Come here got you come on come on Ryder come. yeah come on come right here come right here how can you resist all right put that American flag up nice and high sweet pea high 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 ready pledge I pledge allegiance of the United States of America and to the republic under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Right? I hold that flag up. Hold yours up now, buddy. Glasses and all. Ready? Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty, For all who believe. Thank you, guys. Grab your Bibles if you have them. Okay. (laughs) Gotta love kids. Can't tell them nothing. Hold on, hold on, boys. Hold on, hold on. Come on, right here. It's okay. Come on, let go. Here we go. Shh, shh, shh. shh. Ready? Pledge. I pledge. Here you go, buddy. To the Bible, what's well, holy word? There you go, buddy. Cubbies head out tonight, guys. We need you back in here at quarter till this evening. Cubbies head out. Y'all are gonna have a good time tonight. Amen. If you can't thank of God for anything, thank God you're not a cubby teacher tonight. Sparks. Head on out tonight. TNT, come on, guys. You think it's going to snow or something. Uh, Go ahead, Brother Ken.
1: Amen. Let's all stand together tonight. Grab your hymn book, Blue Song Book tonight, 178. Jesus Loves Even Me. We'll do all three verses, page 178. dearest that jesus loves me i am so glad that jesus loves me jesus loves me jesus loves me i am so glad that jesus loves me jesus loves even me when i remember that jesus loves me i am so glad that jesus loves, jesus loves me jesus loves me jesus loves me i am so glad that jesus loves me jesus loves even me oh if there's only one song i can sing When in his beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. me. I am so glad that
0: Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. And let's remain standing for prayer tonight. Uh, Of course, I trust you got the message that we put out yesterday regarding Brother Doug Whitlow and the passing of his brother, Junior Whitlow. I know a lot of you know Brother Junior, Miss Elaine. Uh, You pray for them. Services are tomorrow, 11 o'clock visitation, noon for the funeral. All of that's happening at Collins Funeral Home, so pray for Brother Doug and his family. I'll take your request tonight. Over here on my left this evening, want to share a prayer request tonight. Anyone on my left? Yes, ma'am all right sister absolutely somebody else on my left yes ma'am absolutely sister thank you so much yes sir absolutely brother you bet thank you my friend anybody else on my left tonight want to share a request all right in the middle this evening want to share yes sir brother keith Absolutely. I shared in my Sunday school class, in my Bible study Sunday school class, there's not many of us that can say my Uncle Elvis. That's pretty good. Amen. Somebody else in the middle tonight. Leanne? All right, thank you so much. And while I singled you out, Brother Gary Martin called me Sunday night and said we got to pray for Leanne. He said she knows all about it. All right, yes, sir. Keith, go ahead. All right, buddy. Thank you so much, my friend. Appreciate that. Somebody else in the middle tonight? Yes, ma'am. All right, fourteenth of February. All right, Sister Halbert. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Anybody else in the middle? Thank you for all of these tonight. Woody? All right. And I think you got the message that I put out last night as well, or yesterday, uh, regarding the two that uh, our sister Price, uh, her daughter-in-law had surgery today, heart surgery, and then uh, uh, the one that's in the hospital as well, Brother Elgin's mother uh, with pneumonia. I saw another hand go up. Yes, sir, Josh? Absolutely. Pray for Miss Lawson, uh, Josh's mom, Sister Sarah, in her battle with cancer. Uh, she's allowed us to uh, put that out, so thank you, Josh. Appreciate that. Somebody else in the middle tonight want to share? On my right, want to share a prayer request this evening. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Didn't know that. Somebody else on my right. Yes, All right, I got ready to say Brooke, but your name's Teresa, amen. All right, somebody else on my right. Yes, sir, Brother Vernon. Wow, all right, thank you, buddy, appreciate that. Pray for Mrs. Vernon. Yes, ma'am. amen amen there's a lot of us can thank God for a praying mother amen sister I appreciate that somebody else on my right tonight yes sir amen buddy Mary Margaret all right somebody else yes Lester all right thank you brother Roy appreciate that yes ma'am amen. Amen. We've had a whole slew of folks in the last three months, especially, that have lost loved ones. David? (laughs) Amen. Amen, buddy. I like that. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to share one of our prayer requests, bear one another's burdens as you've commanded us in your word. Lord, I pray a special touch tonight upon Brother Doug and his family and the passing of his brother. And Lord, as Ms. Irma said, others in our church that have lost loved ones. Uh, We we have so many in the last three months who've uh, lost those loved ones. I pray that you'd comfort them as only you can. And Lord, those in our church who've got loved ones in the hospital, Lord, I pray that you'd bless them. So many prayer requests mentioned tonight. And I'm so grateful that when we lay them at the foot of the cross, that's exactly where they need to be. Bless now our preaching time tonight and all that's done made uplift the precious name of jesus in christ's name amen brother ken let's have a verse to fellowship tonight
1: page number 146 there a shelter in the time of storm we'll do the first verse of course have a time of fellowship hymn number 146 the lords our rock rocking him we hide the shelter in the time of storm The time of shore. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter, and a time of
0: I was chatting with uh, Brother Josh here. He's giving me a prayer request. Brother King came up and said, Preacher, you and Josh, y'all starting to look alike with that little mustache. Me, it's hard to tell me and Josh apart now, ain't it, y'all? Josh said, all I got to do is have to get a flat toe. And I said, all I got to do is lose 125 pounds. Amen. All right, fellas, come on down tonight. Congregation, turn to the book of Ruth tonight, if you would, please. The book of Ruth, please. Chapter number three is where we'll be looking. The book of Ruth, chapter number three. I'm going to pray, and you ask God. we will ask God's blessings upon the offering. And if you haven't had the chance to worship the Lord with tithes and offerings, you can do that now. We're going to look at Ruth chapter 3 and chapter 4, so have that vicinity open. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity once again that you've given us to be back in your house. So Lord, we count it a privilege and a blessing to open up the Word of God, and Lord, study it accordingly. Bless now our offering this evening in Christ's name. Amen. much, ladies. Ruth, chapter three tonight. Chapter number three tonight, we will Begin this evening in verse number 12. We've got lots to cover this evening, lots to talk about, so we're going to dive in very quickly, uh, but I want to take just a couple of moments, bring you up to speed. It's been a couple of weeks where we were out for snow last week, and I want to bring you up to snuff as to where we are, give you just a quick uh, uh, history lesson or a reminder, if you would, a quick review about what has taken place up until this point. Ruth, The Moabitess woman has found favor in the eyes of the great uh, owner, Boaz, the wealthy landowner. Uh, He has allowed her during the barley season, the harvest season, to glean in his fields day in and day out, thereby supplying the need of herself and her mother-in-law. Two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that the harvest season has come to an end. And so now Ruth has got a huge decision to make. How is she going to sustain herself now that the harvest season is over. And of course, Naomi reminds her that her nearer kinsman, her near kinsman is none other than Boaz. So at the beginning of chapter three, she convinces her to make herself ready to present herself to Boaz as being interested. Two weeks ago, we talked about that whole procedure and how through her actions, she literally popped the question to him how she presents herself as ready and eligible to marry if he is willing to marry her. And of course, uh, we also talked about two weeks ago how he indicated how flattered he was. There is an indication here that there's an age difference between Boaz and Ruth, and he indicates that he's willing to marry her. But he also says in verse number 12 that there is a huge problem. And that's where I want to pick up tonight for us to look at as we come to understand the story uh, that I've entitled tonight, Redeemed by Love Divine. The title of the message tonight, Redeemed by Love Divine. Look with me, if you would, beginning in verse number 12 of chapter 3. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. And I believe in that moment that Ruth's heart exploded as she began to realize that all of her dreams are about to come true, that beyond her wildest imagination, this could not have gone any better. Remember, he could have embarrassed her. He could have uh, humiliated her. He could have thrown her out. uh, But he presents himself as willing, and he says, I am, in fact, thy near kinsman. So in that moment, her heart explodes, and in the very next moment, everything comes crashing down. For at the last part, it says, How be it? There is a nearer kinsman, or there is a kinsman nearer than I. How be it, there is a kinsman nearer than I. So in that one moment, Ruth experiences the whole wealth of emotions. Thrilled, elated, excited, and then in the next moment, discouraged, depressed, and despondent. However, if you'll notice what happens next, we have a beautiful picture, a beautiful image of just how far uh, the Redeemer is willing to go for the one he loves. Notice at verse number 14, verse 13, he says, Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. We're going to keep reading in the subsequent verses, but there are, time permitting, four quick things that I want us to look at this evening. As we continue to read down through the next several verses, probably won't get through all of them, we'll pick it up next week. Number one, I want you to note with me, if you would, the challenge of the Redeemer. The challenge of the Redeemer. We've already alluded to it because Boaz is very clear. He's not covering up. He's not dishonest. He says very bluntly and very succinctly, Yes, I'm willing to marry you. Yes, I'm in love with you. I want to perform the part of the redeemer, the near kinsman. But the problem is there is one who is of an even near kinsman than I, and he, by right of the book of Leviticus, has first rights. It is his choice as to whether or not he will redeem you and your family. So we find in verses 13, 14, and 15, he gives a gift. Can I pause just a moment and say that Boaz would have been well within his rights to say, I'm sorry, because he is the nearer kinsman. There's nothing I can do. It's not my responsibility. It's not my problem. It has nothing to do with me. It belongs to this other joker. He's got to take care of it. But if you continue reading, as it says in verse 13, Boaz gives her a gift. He says, if he's willing... uh, He's got first right. But if he's not willing, then I am certainly willing to do the part of the Redeemer. Keep reading now in verse 14. Because he says, she lay at his feet until the morning. And she rose up before one could know another. That just means she rose up before others rose up, before folks could understand what was going on. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. And he said, also he said, bring the veil And that veil means a skirt. It's not like a wedding veil that we would think of today. It means an outer covering or an outer cloak. Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And she went into the city. Again, note the gift. Not just the spiritual and emotional gift where he says that he's willing to marry. But he also gives her a physical gift for her to take back again to her mother-in-law. In In other words, he gives to her the things that she'd been gleaning for every day, week in and week out, day in and day out. He hands to her in a blanket and says, Take this home and leave the rest to me. I've said to you over and over that Boaz is a beautiful picture of our heavenly redeemer, Jesus Christ. And can I pause just a moment? Can we say amen to the fact that, thank God, our heavenly redeemer takes care of everything? Because if it were up to us, uh, we would be of all people most miserable. Not only do you see the gift, but I want you to see the guarantee. I love what he says, and I love what Naomi says. Go to verse number 16, please. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? We need to pause just a moment. Because when Naomi says, Who art thou, my daughter? She is not saying who's there. She's not saying, who are you? I don't recognize you. I don't know who you are. What she is saying is, are you uh, Ruth, uh, the the unwed uh, beggar? Or are you Ruth, uh, the engaged woman? So when she says to her, Ruth, or rather, who art thou? She's literally saying, what's happened? What's the result? You left here as a woman on a mission to present herself as marriageable. Uh, was your mission successful? Uh, what's happened? Are you back the same way or the same person as in which you left? Keep reading. When uh, Verse 15, when she, uh, uh, verse 16, Who art thou, my daughter? She told her all that the man had done to her. She said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said unto me, Go not empty. Unto thy mother-in-law. And no doubt, Naomi understands what's going on. Ruth just explained to her what has happened, uh, the conversation between herself and Boaz. And I love what Naomi says next in verse 18. Then said she, sit still, my daughter. Can I pause just a moment and say there are times in our Christian life where we need to just sit still and wait on God. I will be honest with you, and I hope you're honest with me, that's not an easy task. Most of us would rather see things get done now in our way and in our time period and in our capacity, but there are times uh, when we have to sit still and let God take over because when he works it out, it's a whole lot better than when we do it ourselves now. So she says, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. And I love this next clause. For the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. In other words, if I may paraphrase, Naomi says, Ruth, we've done everything we can do. You've made yourself available. You've proven your case. You've done everything that's in your human capacity to do. Now you need to sit still and let him do his part. May I pause just a moment and say to all of us, there are times when we should always do what we can, but then we have to stop and let God take over and do the rest. And I say again, that's never easy for the child of God. It is the challenge for all of us, uh, but it's the one we've got to remember. The challenge. Number two, quickly tonight, note with me if you would, now turning to chapter number four, the character. The character. We know what kind of man Boaz is. We know he's a man of his word. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. He was not just whistling Dixie. He was not just telling Ruth something uh, to placate her, to pacify her. He wasn't telling her what she wanted to hear. Uh, he's a man of his word. Look at chapter 4, if you would, please, as we look at the character of the Redeemer. Notice verse number 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom... Boaz spake, by the way, this is the one that is the nearer kinsman. The kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, oh, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. By the way, that little phrase, Ho, oh, such a one, turn around and sit down here, that's the King James way of saying, Yo, man, what's up? Hey, buddy, come here, man, let me chat with you. And so he comes over in verse number two. He took ten men, the elders of the city, and said, sit ye down here. And they sat down. Notice this. This is critically important. It's not just Boaz and this man. He takes the man, he takes ten elders, uh, and they all sit down together because there needs to be a witness uh, to the transaction that's about to take place. So there's Boaz. The kinsman walks by. Boaz says, hey, buddy, come here for just a minute. Let me talk to you. He sits down, Boaz grabs the elders, ten of them, they sit down, already showing his willingness to do a transaction, to do a business deal. And what you see played out uh, is very much the norm of the culture. When Boaz goes out, this is so important, when Boaz goes outside the city gate, what he is thereby saying is, I have a business deal that I need to do. There is a transaction that needs to happen. By going outside the city gate, he is presenting himself as a businessman that's about to make a deal, if you will. Keep reading now. Verse number 3. And he said unto the kinsman Naomi, that has come out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land. That's a new piece of information. We haven't had that here before. I'll explain that in just a moment which was our brother, which was our brother Elimelech, verse 4. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, buy it before the inhabitants and for the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. Notice the next clause. The the words that would have pierced Ruth to the heart. She said, or he said, I will redeem it. Notice if you would, first of all, the willingness as I said. Boaz presents himself able, willing, ready to redeem what is described here as a parcel of land i need to explain this way back in chapter number one we find that there was a man naomi's husband his name was elimelech we read that they have two sons malon and chilion because of a famine we read in chapter one they leave the land well you understand that when uh, naomi and ruth come back there's they've got to have some place to reside some place they can live and most scholars agree that probably what happened is that ruth and naomi came back to what was in all likelihood a run-down shack on a piece of land that had been owned by elimelech because certainly for for many many years at least 10 if not more there had been nobody doing anything to this little piece of land and this house where they lived so during harvest season in all likelihood Naomi and Ruth uh, 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 lived in this little shack. Again, we're kind of filling in the gaps here. That's where they would spend their days. But now harvest season is over. And they're about, listen, this is important. They're getting down to the bare bones of life. There's no more harvest to glean. There's no place else to go beg. So what is left to do? Now they've got to sell the land they got to sell the little shack if there is one. We're kind of filling in that piece. They, uh, Naomi has got to sell everything in the hopes of just living yet another day. She is literally at the wit's end, at the bottom of the barrel, use any analogy that you want, hanging on by a thread. And if she doesn't sell this, they have nothing. So when she makes this decision to sell, It is her way of saying, this is it. This is everything. We have nothing else we can do. And so when Boaz says to this near kinsman, because she's selling as the nearest kinsman, you got first dibs. You have first right. If you're willing to redeem it, which means buy it, purchase it, take it to yourself, redeem it. And the last phrase there, verse 4, is catastrophic in Ruth's mind. Catastrophic to the plot of the story. Catastrophic to what we know is about to happen because he says, I will redeem it. But you also know that Boaz is no dummy. Boaz is a smart businessman. He has presented the good part first. You got the land. You got the stuff that's on the land. Now go to verse number five. Because tonight we go from Number one, the challenge of the Redeemer. Number two, the character of of the Redeemer. To number three, the conditions of redemption. Man, this is important. Look at verse number five. because Boaz describes the responsibilities. He says, Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, The wife of the dead, look, 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 and raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Now, again, I need to explain some cultural norms here. In fact, this is not just cultural norms. This is biblical. I showed it to you when we looked at the law of redemption. When someone, when a woman's husband dies and she has no children, no one to care for her, It is the responsibility of the husband's family, Levitically speaking, under the law, to take her in, to redeem her, if you will, and if she's young enough to still bear children, then she bears children of the husband's brother's family, but they're under his name. That's confusing. So let me explain it to you like this. You got Naomi. She's widowed. She has no husband or children. But she's not of childbearing age. So there's no inheritance that's going to be raised up under Elimelech's name. Are you with me? That's not possible. She's past childbearing years. But you got Ruth. And Ruth is still under childbearing years. So Boaz says, when you buy this land, that belongs to Naomi, you get Ruth, but you also have to raise children with Ruth that will be under the name of Ruth's dead husband. That's the way that you preserve the legacy, the lineage of of the deceased name. Is everybody with me? This changes everything. Because now this nearer kinsman, whose name we don't know purposefully i believe this nearer kinsman suddenly is presented with this reality wait a minute i don't just get the land i got to take i got to take this woman and this woman's mother-in-law and i got to raise children unto this woman, and i got to divide my inheritance with those children, and they're not even going to have my name. They're going to have Ruth's dead husband's name. Is everybody with me? Because that's exactly what would have had to have happened. In order for this whole thing to work, that's what would have had to have happened. And suddenly, the nearer kinsman says, I can't afford this. I can't do this. I'm not wealthy enough to divide my inheritance with the family that I've already got to Ruth's family, raise up a family under with her that's not even have my name but her dead husband's name. Can't do that. Let me pause just a moment and say to you that you, you've heard me say several times, Boaz is a type of who? Christ. Ruth is a type of the church, the bride that's being purchased, redeemed, and bought for Boaz. This near kinsman is a beautiful image as well. This near kinsman is a beautiful image of what we call in the Old Testament, the law. you got to understand this, folks. The law was never meant to redeem mankind. The law can't redeem mankind. In fact, you can go back and look it up. Most of you can probably even quote it. In, in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 3, it says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So think about it. The law is like a mirror. When you hold up a mirror, you get an image, good, bad, and ugly. Good, bad, and ugly. You, can't, you, can't, you might cover up with all kinds of things that people can't see, but when you get a mirror right here, you can't cover up much. You can see it all. The, Paul says that the law is like a mirror. It's meant to show you how sinful and wicked humanity is. The mirror cannot cover up anything. All it can do is show you, and it certainly can't remove the blemish, If you, think with me now, stay with me, because we're getting to an important point. you got to get this with the law. Ladies, most of you probably put on makeup every once in a while. If you see a spot, you see something you want to cover up, you get out a little something, something, and you cover it up. Do you understand that you've not removed it? All you've done is covered it up. That's what the law did. That's what atonement was. It was just covering over the blemish. It was just looking in the mirror and saying, yep. Covered up. Nobody can see that now. But do you understand that eventually that covering's gonna wear off? And that blemish is gonna be there. We call it my, in my house, we don't call it a blemish, we call it a zit. It's gonna be there all over again. May I say to you that when Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God, our sins are not covered. Our sins are removed it's altogether different let's keep reading notice if you would we go now in verse numbers from verse number uh, 5 to verse number 6 because in verse number 5 we've got the responsibilities verse number 6 the resources notice what it says the kinsman said i cannot redeem it for myself lest i mar mine own Inheritance. You get that? I can't, I I can't I can't purchase Naomi. Sure can't purchase Ruth and raise up a family under her dead husband's name because if I do, that's gonna take away from my own family. That's gonna mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. I cannot redeem it. Redeem it. Look, if you would, now at verse number 7. We get the resolution displayed. Now, and I love the fact that the scripture even gives us the cultural norms of the day. Now, this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things. This is strange for us today. If there's a business transaction, we usually sign contracts. Get them notarized. Put them in the court of record uh, so that there's common records of everything. This is the reason why the elders were out there. Notice what happened. Strange but true. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. This was a testimony in Israel. Therefore, the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. Strange. Now, please understand, we're not talking about furigami loafers here. We're not talking about anything like that other than a sandal. You with me? Because that's what everyone wore. And so, when there was an, a, a, a business transaction that happened, the elders are all gathered around. They come to terms that they can agree upon. The elders hear it. They both state it, and they exchange shoes. I had One preacher friend of mine asked me, or uh, say one time, do they they wear the shoe? I have no idea. Because if you're a size 5 and you're exchanging with someone who's a size 12, I'm betting you ain't wearing it. Amen. I have no idea about what happens uh, other than they exchange the shoe. It's not meant to wear. It's meant to be a record, if you will. Like we keep the contract, they kept the shoe. And the shoe was the way of saying, hey, we agreed upon this last thing tonight. Number one, the challenge. Number two, the character. Number three, the conditions. Finally, number four, the confirmation. Look at verse number nine, quickly. Boaz said to the elders, to all the people, ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth The Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of this place ye are witnesses this day. What Boaz is saying is I'm willing to raise up a family and it won't just have my name, it'll have Malon's name as well, her dead husband. Verse 11, and all the people were in the gate. And the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that has come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do worthily in Ephraim, and fam- be famous in Bethlehem. And finally, verse 12. Let thy house be like the house of Pharaoh, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee to this young woman. Verse number 9, verse number 10, listen now, we're done. Verse 9 and 10, verse says 9 and 10, when Boaz says, here's the deal, the deal's been made, the transaction has been done, nothing else can happen. It is the very same thing that happened in a very incredible way when Jesus, outside the city gate of Jerusalem, remember I said, Boaz had to go outside the gate because that's where the business transactions happened. When outside the city gate of Jerusalem, Jesus hung on the cross. Seven sayings that he uttered, the sixth of which was, it is finished. And by no means am I minimizing what Jesus went through. You've heard me preach about that little saying in and of itself. But from a business transaction, what Christ was saying is, the redemption of mankind has just happened, and every st- every uh, uh, debt that that the saved would owe was placed upon his reality in verses eleven and twelve we're told very clear that this redemption will be permanent this redemption will be permanent. You understand that we owe a debt we could not pay, he paid a debt that he wouldn't, could not, he did not owe. I'll close with this. Close your Bibles. You understand that it's a one-time payment. That's all it takes. Let me give you a quick analogy. All of you know I taught public school for 12 years. When I transitioned over to higher ed, I decided I wanted to keep my teaching license. That teaching license shows that if I ever decide to go back into the public classroom, I'm still qualified to teach pre-K up through grade 8. That's what my license says. But every five years, I have to submit proof of it. I have to submit coursework. I have to submit uh, where I went to this conference, and I have to pay my renewal fee. If I don't do that, that license is taken away. It's not a one-time deal. Can we pause a second and say salvation is a one-time deal? Once that business transaction has been done, we all ought to say amen to this. We don't have to prove that we got to do it again because we didn't do it to begin with. He did it for us. Father, thank you for the wonderful story tonight. Thank you so much for this incredible reminder of what it is to be redeemed by love divine. Lord, Fanny Crosby simply said, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, that His child and forever we are. Lord, I pray that you'd bless uh, our business meeting time to come. Lord, we know that this is important things that we have to discuss. Lord, I pray that you'd help us conduct the business aspects of our church in a business and Christ-like manner, we'll thank you and praise you, in Christ's name, Amen. Thank you so much. Are there, kids out there, Miss Leanne. Okay, motion for them. They can come on in. Uh, if you're visiting with us, you are welcome to stay. You sure don't have to, uh, but you're welcome to. All of our all of our business stuff is open to everybody. We don't we don't keep it quiet uh, or we don't keep it rather secret. Uh, so, Miss Teresa, you come on and read the minutes of our last meeting.